Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best DMs and GMs on this plane of existence. If you'd like to help support the show, check out my link tree or my show notes for my affiliate links. The holidays are fast approaching, and if you can't decide what to buy that nerdy friend or family member in your life for the holidays, guess what? They want dice. Check out adventuredice.ca. My friends Blair and Andrea at Adventure Dice are selling their advent calendars right now. They're doing pre-orders. You can buy advent calendars for all sorts of different winter holidays. They have different price levels for any budget. So check out their Dice Advent calendars now and use the code HN, the number 2DM, that's HN2DM, for 10% off your order. And if you use that code and you buy some dice from Adventure Dice or you want to buy one of those advent calendars, you're helping support me as well. So check out Adventure Dice. You won't be disappointed. Also, just want to let everybody know I'm going to be taking a break from American Thanksgiving until Christmas time, probably after New Year. So I'm taking a break just to make sure I have time to focus on my family and on the different trips that we've got going. It's just a busy time of year and I want to make sure that I'm putting out the best possible episodes I can. And along with that goes all of the hours of research I do for the guests that I've got coming on as well as the prep on the interview questions and the interviews themselves. And it just takes a lot of time to make a really good podcast. So in the interest of making sure that I'm happy with the work I'm putting out and it's really interesting and engaging and fun for everybody to listen, I'm going to take a little break here for the holidays. Be on the lookout for an announcement on when the next episode of season four is going to drop. That'll be early January. But as of today, this is the second to last episode I'll be releasing before I go on that holiday break. Thanks for understanding and happy holidays to all of you. Just know that I really appreciate you listening to the show every week and I am incredibly flattered that there are so many people out there who have learned so much and have been on this journey with me to make ourselves better DMs and GMs. All right, now let's jump into this episode's guest intro. Eric Silver is a DM of one of the first really popular actual play shows out there, Join the Party. Eric has dabbled in game design as well, helped dozens of other podcasters get their start, and has found himself on the level with some of the most highly regarded DMs in the business. Enjoy. I got into tabletop role-playing games because I had been playing a lot of board games by myself. I love games. I love all types of games. I've been playing games for as long as I can remember as a kid, especially because I'm a twin brother. You always have someone to play with. You always want to beat that person. Uh, my brother, <laughs> Tyler, who I always wanted to dominate, whether it was basketball or Frisbee or board games or Super Smash Brothers, there's always something that I could play with him uh, and beat him at. But, you know, that kind of faded away after college, especially like... I don't know when I was going to college in 20, in like 2009, 2010, there was definitely like Halo 3 and like Mario 64. But like after that, oh, I think like when you left college, it was almost like I got to put my childish things aside and be an adult. And I think that that changed a lot recently, especially with the Nintendo Switch and mm. more spaces where adults can like, game and participating in gaming and i think that also 
the Dungeons and Dragons boom contributed to that as well. For sure. I was playing a lot of board games by myself. I played this game called Sentinels on the Multiverse. Have you heard of that? I have not. It's great. It's like a fixed deck builder where like you play as a group of superheroes. So usually it's like three players and you get like a deck and it kind of plays like Magic the Gathering, but it's fixed, right? And it's themed off of a superhero for you and that play style. Mm-hmm. And cooperative game, you play like against a villain deck and an environment deck. And I also loved it because the whole premise of the game was that there was a third dominant comic book publisher. There was Marvel and DC and Sentinels of the Multiverse, Sentinels Publishing. And I thought it was incredible just like watching kind of comic book history come out through these different decks, play showing how superheroes and superhero tropes like would evolve right mm-hmm. usually you play for like three people right but what I, what I was doing i was playing three different decks at the same time against <laughs> yeah. a villain deck and an environment deck that i was running myself and i bought all the expansions and like the individual decks that i would just buy on amazon for like nine dollars i would throw into my cart and then of course like i started listening to actual play shows i saw it on community and i was listening to the adventure zone and i'm like oh this is I get this. This is something that I could really do. I bought the DM's guide and the player's guide. I read it all. I played one game and then no one wanted to play with me. And then eventually I had to DM. (laughs) There was a game that I was starting with my friends. I was like, oh, I'm going to be this player. It's going to be great. And then the player or and then the DM dropped out. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a player. So I'm like, I guess I'm doing it. And here's the thing. In the second session that I ran for this campaign, which I threw together 15 minutes before, I made that player cry emotionally (laughs) from the emotional catharsis she dealt with during the game. And then uh, the actual play, boom, I was working in like, I was trying to get into podcasting. I was working on a bunch of jobs that were like creative adjacent. And that's where I met uh, the people who I would start joining the party with, which, which became the backbone of multitude of my full-time job yeah yeah you you built yourself a job that's that's incredible yeah the the thing the thing is i really need to emphasize this like the stuff that we did on join the party the all of the tenants of that were like became how we make every single podcast on multitude like i know it's an actual play show and it's fiction And, you know, it has a lot of sound design and everything, but like the tenets of like making the show good from the beginning, investing in making it understandable for the audience, making it sound good from the beginning and just like getting ready to show something with like your arms open and then allowing people to run into your arms. Like that's every single type of show that we do now. It's kind of based on that, and that's from making an actual play show starting in 2017. That's good, because I find that trying to recommend a show to somebody else can be very hard unless you know how to pitch it to them. My wife has tried to get me to listen to some things here and there, and it's always like, you go and listen to one episode yourself, but you're like, I don't know what's going on, or I don't like, I don't really understand the premise here, and yeah. you lose interest so fast. And so like being able to distill down to like very simple terms exactly what it is and exactly what what everyone's going to experience and like explaining that up front 
just makes it that much easier for people to find exactly what they're looking for. So yeah, it's can funny I tell how you, someone who works in podcasting professionally, and that includes you because we're on this show and you have the show, right? What you can just do is being like, when it comes around being like, Oh, you like podcasts? Tell me about them. You can just take their phone and just subscribe them to podcasts. I was just at a wedding and I did that to like my high school friends. And I'm like, just give yeah. me your phone. Let's do it. So it's like, they're on the same, on the flip side podcast just you could just put it on someone be like no 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 no. you this you'll like the show you'll like it <laughs> it's true it's true i guess it's just some people are harder to sell than others like me i've yeah. listened to dozens and dozens of podcasts because i like them and i'll try anything because i've got the time while i'm working or whatever and then there's other people who are just like eh, i don't want to listen to a podcast and and those folks i guess we just don't care about anyway so <laughs> the thing about podcasts though is like we need people like you and like derek you are propping up the entire industry first of all i don't thank know about god. that thank god really i'll show you my pocket gas i've listened to so much so many podcasts so many hours but i you need those people to be excited and into mm. it because again podcasting as a form is very hard to get into especially as opposed to all the other ways that we do digital whatever right true youtube streaming yeah other smaller yeah. content it just takes so many clicks to get into a podcast like think about it if i recommended a show to you i'm like hey derek there's a show where there is a show where someone's dad killed all these people and now they have a rewatch podcast about all of the news that they reported on it's called my dad the murderer the rewatch podcast you would need to do like Five clicks of your phone, even if I sent you a link to get to that podcast, you would have, especially if I send it to you over the computer and then you got to make sure it's on your phone and then you got to click it and then you got to subscribe and then you have to download. But the thing is, people are so sticky. Podcast listeners, especially podcast super listeners like you are so good at being fans that it's like it almost it kind of props up the whole thing. I say this all the time, one podcast download is equal to like 50, 70, 100 YouTube views. As far as like ad revenue and, and that kind of thing, or like, like, uh, I think in um, always in terms right. of like, so in terms of ad revenue for sure, and how mm -hmm. that converts and how you, 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 you know, sell you Casper mattresses and yellow <laughs> boxes, but also like <laughs> devotion, likelihood for Patreon likelihood that they're going to recommend the show to someone else maybe they don't talk to you that much because podcast listeners also like like being in their own head and maybe I whatever know. like but but still i but still i mean they're really in terms of quality i guess like the quality of this singular unit the singular currency i think it is it's so it's probably like the most valuable thing out there you mentioned you kind of like had to start running games out of necessity you're like okay if i'm gonna play then I have to be the person running this the show here. So what were the first sessions like? Was it completely homebrew or were you running something pre-written? How did that first game end up going? It was always completely homebrew. I never played anything out of a book. I think I didn't really understand what that was at the time. I had a vague idea that the first few sessions of the Adventure Zone were Minds of Fandelver, like the first thing that came out for 5th edition. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I'm like, oh, what it is, is that you make up a thing, and then your friends play it, and there you go. So I guess I never even knew that I was doing it. I certainly had a lot of tension of, like, making things too hard and too easy. And, like, yes. when my players would kind of, like, 
come up with something I didn't anticipate. Though from the <laughs> beginning, I kind of understood what I wanted to do. There was just like, I kind of understood that this was like a session of time where we were going to play and have fun and just game in all sense of the word, right? I still do something from those first few sessions that I still remember I love doing now, which is where I insert a game inside of a game where like just rolling dice is not enough for us to have this game. Uh, so what I did was we would cut, we came to a maze and I had everyone roll survival checks. And depending on how well they did, I handed out a literal maze to them. Like was something that I printed. And if you rolled really well, I gave you like a child's maze. Like right. it was like a ladybug with like two turns in it. And if you yeah. rolled like five, then I gave you like a Mensa maze for like aging seniors who have an <laughs> IQ of 90, of like a kajillion, right? And then I'm like, okay, you have one minute, go. And then if you finished the maze, you got out of the maze. And if you didn't, your character was still stuck inside the maze and then you had to figure it out. And I just thought that that was a more fun way. And I understand now the game mechanic of Dungeons and Dragons cannot do everything. So, well, good job me. But I, at the time, I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, we're, it's, it's the game time. It's the game session. So I guess that's what also I didn't understand. Like when we were first doing tests for Join the Party, my players were like really were messing with me. That's with me a lot. And I'm like, why? I came up with something for you to have fun with. Why are you a changeling who keeps changing forms and then went invisible? Like, why are you messing with me? And it made me very <laughs> upset. And I didn't understand what was happening at the time. And then I'm like, oh, it's because they're players. And also they were being jerks. They were definitely being jerks. But like, I didn't understand like that that was what you did for your, to your DM, you know? The first time it happens, it's always like, wait, wait, like, what? Like, I spent so long on this. Um, I was just listening to your interview with uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan on the Adventuring Academy because I like yes. to do a little research, right? Try to ask you some new questions. You were talking to him about, like, the analogy of, like, making your friends dinner and then you invite them over and they all, like, focus on the dish that you spent no time on. And and uh, that's that's exactly what, what this is reminding me of, like... Yeah, you know, in yeah. so many ways also, but like, imagine your friends came over and was like, hey, what if I took your turkey and that you made and then I put it in my butt and then everyone <laughs> laughed? You're like, right. why would you do that? Yeah, it's it's definitely a specific play style. I feel like there's there's groups out there who love to do it and groups out there who would prefer not to. But it's not like hard and fast. Like you're going to get groups who are very serious, who still like try to pull a fast one on you every once in a while. Right. So yeah. In the early days or, you know, up until your most recent campaigns, can you think of any examples of how not to DM, you know, any, uh, any thing that you've done that really, really was not a great choice in the moment and uh, you wish you could take it back or you learned a valuable lesson from it. Yeah. I was thinking about this and I think the thing that bothered me the most in my early days was like, at one point, my players didn't like an essential NPC and then, like, got into a fight with him. And then one of my players crit really hard on that NPC who is, like, integral to everything. And I'm like, what? Why? How did this happen? How did this get to a point where this happened? And I think, that looking back on it, I did so many things wrong. The first thing was that I was visibly upset. And I think the thing that you realize... As, Show no weakness. <laughs> no, not even not even that. It's like 
I see DMing similar to like my experience as a camp counselor, as a high school English teacher, or even like when like you throw a party for one of your friends, like when my friends threw my bachelor party, right? Where it's like, if you show that something's going wrong, everyone's like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Oh, 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 oh. And I think this was heightened by the fact that it was on microphone, right? Mm. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, it's all, it, now it's being recorded and it's, and now someone's going to have to listen back to it. Like, oh my God. So first thing was I was visibly shaken. And I think just like it really ruined the vibe. The second thing is what I could have done is like, I should have anticipated this happening because like I was being a butthole. Like the NPC didn't like the players because they were like ragamuffins and he was like the boyfriend of the prince. Right. And was also mm. like powerful in his own right. And then the third thing I could have done was just make him super powerful. It shouldn't have mattered if he got crit on because then like, well, then this, this guy had like a, a done a hit points, but I must've assigned him like, 14 and i think that just like the, i really didn't set anyone up for success neither me nor my players nor the story and i think it just made everyone upset <laughs> and of course what did i do i took away a crit from someone five percent chance like that's that's gonna happen and i just didn't know what to do so it kind of just all cut it all just uh, it got hard to to comprehend the thing that i didn't then learned the last thing that i learned was like I could have just stopped and took a second and then be like, I'm unprepared. Can we like retake this? Because it's a, it's a fiction show, ultimately. True. I don't think anyone's losing something. We eventually did take a break and we talked about it and we resolved it. But I think that it was out of like me being upset <laughs> and like everyone that getting kind of bummed out and upset about this really this this tough situation. If you have a problem, stop and say, let's talk about it because no one cares. <laughs> Brendan Lee Mulligan isn't going to break your window, roll in, <laughs> and give you a fine for bad DMing. Like that one that's not going to happen. I wish you would, to be honest. That'd be he's fun. Busy. But... <laughs> he's busy. Yeah, he's busy. Busy. But even then, like that's no one's holding you to any sort of standard when the entire point of what you're doing is to have fun. And I feel like most groups are going to be understanding of this and be like, yes, like. If yeah. you're uncomfortable, let's talk about it. Let's take a beat. Let's figure this out. Instead of like, no, I want you to keep upholding, you know, like I, I want you to keep the game going. And because otherwise my immersion's broken. Like, I don't exactly. know. It's a selfish person who would say that. Right. So, uh, all right. How about good moments from your games? You know, really funny memories or, or emotional or meaningful. You mentioned earlier, you know, you made the person cry. That, that sounds like a good one. Um, but yeah, you, you got anything for us uh, about good times from your games you want to share? Yeah, here's the reveal. That player is Julia Shafini, who is in my who is in join the party. So I always know that I'm doing a good job if I make Julia emotion emote at me in some sort of way. I think if I could just give like a really quick because players have a responsibility too. As a player, much like a crowd at a comedy show or at the theater, it is your responsibility to listen intently and emote loudly when something happens so that the people know they're doing a good job. And I think that that's the thing that I don't know if, yes, like personal and introspection, artistic reflection, creative, blah, blah, blah. Because that really is how I see DMing, GMing. It's yeah. an extension of my creative work and trying to like be mindful and blah 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 all about that stuff blah 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 i just slam poetry for a while i can't help it this yeah the stuff that comes out but i think it's like 
I don't know if I do a good job unless my players are hooting on Hotwiring. You just need that. So yeah, the best times I think is when like my players yell at me, when my players <laughs> gasp or, or, or laugh and I'm just like, good, okay, good. This connected with you and therefore I think it's going to connect with the audience at large. You know, getting a text message after the session that says thank you, always nice. But like in the moment, knowing whether or not you're doing a good job is very, very dependent on the feedback you're getting auditory or visual or whatever. So uh, I would even say that the text message afterwards is more emotional. That feels very like rendering your emotions into words and then vulnerably sending it to someone that it can be screenshotted. Yeah. Not like someone Christian. (laughs) <laughs> He's the one who texts me every session after every session and says thanks. So, yeah. All right. You mentioned earlier that kind of early days, it was really hard for you to deal with like your players throwing crazy wrenches in your plans. Do you feel like you got more flexible after that? And do you have an example of like a really big time where they just totally destroyed everything you worked so hard for and you had to think quickly on your feet to make it work? Honestly, it got to a point where I stopped planning everything so much because that's just like i can never think about if i want my players to be creative i should not figure out what's going to happen next without getting their input so it was a lot of like my notes became much more sketches at large of like okay this is these are the people this is what they're doing if there's something that from a monster of the week that really helped we ran a monster of the week campaign and something that they make you do as to like understand the threat of monster of the week it's a player powered by the apocalypse game one of those games with like moves and two two d6s but of course the whole thing is like an episode of scooby-doo or the x-files or gravity falls so the what they you have to make a monster there is a stat block but it's not the same because like the monster and the stuff the monster does or the the phenomena as it is is that like what if no one intervened what would happen and that has really helped like all of my jamming in general. Like mm. I was doing this a lot in campaign two, especially because we were doing like a superhero game, like more like a daredevil city level superhero game. I spent a lot of time thinking about what's happening somewhere else if they don't intervene. And I think that that will help you move forward, like plan less plan the stuff that would happen if the players don't intervene because you have control all over that but it's like but if they do intervene you have to follow what they do and say if you had a big fight and they blow it up early they got the drop on the thing so that's what happens right just making sure that it's in reality is helpful and then your notes and then you'll plan so much less time on things that will never happen and you can spend more time like writing world building games, becoming a game designer, working on your voices, sketching out your NPCs better. Like that's the stuff that really makes things pop. If you want those gasps, you got to work on the popping stuff on top of your foundation. The players are supposed to dictate the plot and the foundation. In terms of your actual question, things where I dealt with what was going on, I wasn't really prepared when one of our players stepped away in campaign one. It's still an episode where people hit me up every time and are like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this. I'm so sad. And like the story I wanted to tell what just was gone. You know, I think that we also let it hang on for too long. Having the, this player who was dealing with a lot of stuff and also it was hard to like work with them as they were, as they were dealing. I wish we had come to an agreement to have them leave sooner. So maybe mm. we could have figured something out, but we were like, I guess two thirds of the way through the game 
And then it felt like almost, you know, not actually because we got a lot of fun on the way there, but it's like, it just felt like we were trudging towards the end and just trying to finish. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like especially casual groups will have to deal with a lot more often because people are stepping away all the time. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something to think about and to try to handle, especially when you can kind of see inevitably where it's going to end up. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's what you said about like, you know, we were making a joke about a good group, but like a good group is just an emotionally, <laughs> a group of emotionally available friends. And like, if someone needs to step away for work reasons, or you got to like break up with someone or your real life has intersected with this, like just do it. Don't let them hang on. The gaming session is not higher than your relationships. It is a outgrowth. It is an extension of your relationships. So like you got to honor the relationship and then just be like, yeah, you guys broke up. So one of you can't play with us anymore. Like I, it's just, you know, I think it has to come down to that. And you got to be clear with each other about what is best for fun while people's lives are going on. I feel like it's happened a, a few times, but there's plenty of folks who I don't play with anymore who are still my friends. And I feel like, I, I don't know, I've, I've heard other people express the same sentiment, like like you were saying, you know, relationships are probably more important than the game. So yeah, we always keep that in mind. So do you have any homebrew rules or systems or anything like that that you like to bolt on to games you're running, whether it be a D&D game or any other kind of game that, that you feel like make it more fun and more engaging, anything like that? Well, Derek, if you want to go to the Join the Party merch store at jointhepartypod.com slash merch, you can purchase some of the game design that I facilitated as a part of Join the Party and also being a game designer who works within actual play and figuring that stuff out. I'm joking, but I'm also not joking. It's a lot of no. fun. Recently, I came up with a game mechanic where it, the mechanic is just rock, paper, scissors. I uh-huh. think works super well for like a success, mixed success failure sort of thing and also you can like extend it if you have a tie like ramping up the stakes of that while you do two out of three rock paper scissors i think it's just really is super fun but no i i love it i think the thing that's most important for in terms of an actual play space world building games world Mm. building games i know they got relatively popular after the mcelroy's played the quiet year on the adventure zone yeah but like There are so many world-building games out there that are better for this. The Quiet Year, because Avery Alder is incredibly poignant and emotional and an incredible game designer, is supposed to be ephemeral. The thing you make is supposed to disappear. So the questions Uh in that game are very, like, deep and emotional and, like, squishy because they don't matter. Because it's about, like, a community that disappears. Finding the right game to play with your players so they feel invested in the world is hard to do. So I ended up writing a bunch. Honestly, it's just a collection of tables and questions. It's a lot of fun. And then you draw them and then you write them down after a while. It's really fun. So I really, really recommend playing world building games that are pretty light and fun, either when you're running a session zero, or if you want to like take a break, or if you want to illustrate a world in a different way and make sure everyone has buy-in. You could use any of the ones that I I've written. I, I wrote this package called three short games to build worlds, which was really fun. I really like, I'm sorry. Did you say street magic, which is a really good uh, world building game. And also my favorite title in tabletop RPGs <laughs> where it's like, it kind of like folk, it really like does the good zoom in, zoom out of 
cities and towns. But also, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of games out there. But yeah, make tables. If I could recommend anything, if you want to do, if you don't want to buy, spend five dollars to buy the world building game I wrote. Ultimately, make a table of ten questions about a place, and then have go around the table and roll a d10. Everyone gets to contribute, but the person who rolled the die ultimately gets to answer the question. That's I it. like it. I've heard microscope is also a really popular one for like world building to plan for a campaign. Like you said, quiet year is like very flavorful and, and specific in its, in its instance. Flavorful and it'd be hard to like play off of way that. To say it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, there's definitely going to be different ones for different folks, but I will have to check out your pack there. I know I, I went and looked through the, the games that you had on your site, but that sounds like one that, that would be a lot of fun to play, especially like, Maybe it's a week where everyone can't show up and, and you need something yeah. to do, you know, that'd be perfect for that. Yeah. So. And there's also a game in there, which is really fun, which is where, which actually is supposed to go inside of, um, instead of playing D and D it's called bro. You had to be there, which is where an unreliable NPC <laughs> tells a story that your PCs were not there for. Okay. <laughs> and then all of you kind of work together to like piece this event together, which is very, very fun. And now, a word from How Not to DM sponsors. First up, RPG Match. RPGmatch.org is a site dedicated to helping you get matched up with tabletop role-playing game players who like to play like you do. You can select games you're interested in playing, customize your preferred playstyle, and find dozens of folks to fill up your table. RPGmatch.org. Don't roll the dice on who you play with. Signing up for RPGmatch.org is 100% free. And you can head down to the show notes right now and click on a link which will allow you to add the How Not to DM badge to your profile. That way you can find other fans and listeners of the show and trust them that much more. Check it out. Also, a quick shout out to Episodify, the people who helped me produce this show. If you are looking for someone to help you edit your YouTube content, TikTok content, reels, shorts, podcasts, whatever it might be, Episodify is ready to help you out. They have packages for people who need more or less editing hours during each month. And if you buy more, then you can save more on the editing hours you buy. So if you're a content creator who needs a little extra help or you've started making some money and you're ready to take that editing burden off your lap, then check out episodify.com. Last but not least, the holidays are coming up. And if you're trying to shop for that nerd in your life or that child in your life or yourself and you can't decide what to buy them, they want dice. Go to adventuredice.ca. Right now they're doing pre-orders on their advent calendar dice. So they have 24 day advent calendars, 31 day advent calendars, eight day advent calendars. These are perfect for whatever winter holiday you celebrate. And each day you'll get a new pretty dice to add to your collection. And they're really not too expensive either. This is one of their best selling items. They always sell out of these things. So pre-orders are happening now for shipping very soon before the holiday season. Again, that's adventuredice.ca. And if you use the code HN, the number two DM at checkout, you'll get a little discount for yourself and help support the show at the same time. So get those nerds in your life, some dice that you know they want and happy holidays. Thanks so much for listening to the words from all of those sponsors. The sponsors help keep the show running, keep the lights on. Now let's jump into quickfire chaos. Welcome to Quickfire Chaos! 
This week on Quickfire Chaos, Eric and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables from the internet to create a scenario to roleplay together. City Quest it is. So if you will roll the first D100 for me, we'll figure out what little city quest you're going to have to uh, weave into the, the mini story here. Derek, that's a 50, my friend. The local brewer's latest batch of high-end whiskey has been sabotaged slash cursed by Faye. The five barrels sold need to be reclaimed and quickly and quietly, lest the brewer's reputation suffers. Uh, They said less the brewer's reputation suffers, but you and I both know it's less. English teacher, right? You you know that. Okay. You're doing great. You're doing a great job, Derek. This this is not my table. This is somebody it's else's. I honestly <laughs> like this. Other than the fact that they said the it was, the brewer was making whiskey, I'm like, okay, whatever. That's fine. Touche. Yeah, that's another error we, we I didn't catch. You're right. Next up, we're gonna skip the NPC job as it has given you a job in the in the prompt sure. here. Yeah. So yeah. we'll just make you roll the last two tables, which is the voice description of the NPC, and then their personality traits. Oh, I love this. Okay. So uh, let's see what this brewer sounds like and, and, and kind of acts like. First one is voice description. What you got? I got a 20 and a 10. I rolled a zero on my second, on my, on my second digit dice three times. That's wild. That is wild. 20. Always seems to be chewing something. The little uh, Brad Pitt action. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, a personality trait. Oh, that was a ten. That was a ten. What? Fifty twenty ten? You're not yeah, joking. Twenty ten. Wow. I told you. Yeah. Wild. First time. Loudmouthed or gossipy. Oh sure. I'm gonna be a magic looking person in some green robes. So pretty ostentatious green robes, like gold embroidery of like flowers and, and stuff. I'm going to be a dragonborn this time, just because it's been a while since I was a dragonborn too. So I'll be like a, like a bronze dragonborn wearing this crazy green robe, kind of strutting down the street, looking pretty, pretty self-important. And uh, I'll let you set the scene from here. All right, Derek. You know, you got some money in your pocket. You're looking for something to do. And a door opens with warm light and the smell of new leather couches Mm. waft out onto the street, just beckoning you inside. You see many, they're inside, just the warm glow of leather bound, of other leather bound books. (laughs) And (laughs) it's, and both beer and whiskey seem to be poured inside. It's a distillery slash brewery. With a real, like, secret man cave vibe happening inside. Yeah, uh, this is, seems like a place that is distinguished enough for me. Uh, I will uh, I will go inside to see what is happening. The name of this uh, brewery slash distillery is uh, the Gold, Silver, and Copper... Copper, copper sill, copper till. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's both a brewery and a and a, and a distillery, so it's so it's confusing. Yeah. The gold, silver, and copper till, or still? Yeah, I guess till something. Yeah, yeah. One of those. One of those. Um, <laughs> I'm not so good with the common characters. I mean, I, is this letter S or is it silent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Inside, it's much larger than it seems mm. from the street. Um, this brewery slash distillery stretches all of the way to the other side of the block. 
both because of the, like as aforementioned, library sort of vibe happening in the front, but also the gold, silver, and copper sills slash dills, and uh, the various like whiskey and beer brewing equipment that goes all the way to the back. Though it is almost a little too quiet in here. There's only a few people around, although uh, you'd think that they, there were uh, cravats and nice dresses. Really, they've gone all the way down to just little, uh, just like 12-year-olds in with overalls and patches on said overalls. They shouldn't be in there, but they are. They are. I don't remember how quickly uh, humans age, so I'm not sure if they should be in here or not. Yes, uh, I will go speak to the proprietor of this location and uh, see if there is something to drink. A bunch of twelve-year-olds scatter as you come as you come <laughs> over. They're also stacked on top of each other, wearing a trench coat, so they were they were in the way. It takes a little while to get out of the way. Sitting on the bar, holding a big sack of sunflower seeds, is a dwarven man, beard all the way down to his feet, with various braids inside of it. Some tight knots, some pleats. I think like a big bell is tied up in it as well. He's wearing a three-piece suit a deep, deep magenta, but it is worn at the elbows. And he is just, mm. it, and on the ground, even before you walk up, you it is the crunch of you on, of you stepping on the sunflower seats uh, as you approach the bar. Nah, he doesn't have a spitting jar. Uh, all right, <clears throat> kind of brush my robes off a little bit and, and approach him and say, um, hello, uh, do you happen to own this establishment and do you have something that I could drink? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you're looking, uh, looking, hey, uh, you're not one of my uh, ex-wives or, uh, you know, one of the bill collectors, are you? Because uh, then, uh, you know, what's it to you? You know, I would know about who's the person who runs this side of place. But if you're not, if you're just looking for a drink, yeah, absolutely. Nice to meet you. Go, <laughs> nice to meet you. Barry, gold, silver, and, and copper, sill. Very nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, you want a snack? You want sunflower seeds? You're kind of, I got all, it's kind of, it's kind of like a big bag here. I got I got original, I got salted, got extremely unsalted. They get, I had a wizard remove the salt from it. I got dill pickle, I got sweet pickle, I got a half dill pickle. It's spicy, extra spicy. You just kind of got to reach your whole claw in there and just pick one. I think I will go for the spicy ones. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna grab a, a mouthful and just shove them straight in and start chewing. I probably don't know that you're supposed to uncrack un them open. So yeah, I think I'm just munching. You can save for me really quickly. <laughs> yeah, just make a save. Yeah. Make a con yeah. save. Oh, geez. Uh, I'm gonna assume I have a plus two to this just because. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I kid you not. Natural twenty. Incredible. Great. Uh, there's a flavor. In these sunflower seeds that you haven't tasted before, but it is your new favorite flavor. It is all that you want for it. You pick the seeds out of your teeth and there is one that you lick it and it tastes exactly what it is. What is that flavor? I'm going to say it's chocolate. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. You wouldn't think that chocolate works in there with the spicy, extra spicy pimento cheese in there, but it does. Ah, uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, this all is right, delicious. My, yes. Uh, my friend, it seems like you have good taste in uh, various seeds and other things to put in your mouth. So let's say I can put some other things in your mouth uh, for it as well. Hey, I'm talking about the beer and old wh whiskey that we have here. What are you What are you looking for? What are you buying? What are you drinking? Uh, the whiskey sounds delicious. Do you have something, you know, very old, very aged? Ah, you seem to be a 
dragon of high quality. Uh, real smart, great dragon. Unfortunately, you know, I can trust you. You uh, you pick out the chocolate in the from the sunflower from the random sunflower seeds bag. Um, you know, uh, I gotta tell you, uh, I would give you some, but uh, seem to be having uh, a little bit of a magical problem as it as it uh, you know relates to my uh, higher shelf whiskeys. Uh, oh dear. Uh, I'm gonna like look around and maybe lower my voice a little bit. You said this is magic problem. Yeah, I, uh, I know a bit about magic, and maybe I can help. Oh, oh! You sound like one of my ex-wives. Hey, just the third <laughs> and fifth one. All right. Well, it sounds like you've helped me, man. A high quality here. All right. Well, let's see what we can do. He spits out ten seeds. <laughs> yes, you can trust me definitely. I I can help you with this. Uh, what do you know? What the problem is? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I was talking about. Uh, I should have. Uh, well, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair for me. Honestly, I gotta, um, I gotta understand where uh, I you know, listen. I grew up in a different place at a different time. You know, they did. Uh, we were all when you come from a bunch from everyone has beards. Uh, the gender binary is more like a gender mountain that we all live under underneath. If you know what I'm saying. So I, I think you know, I've heard of this gender mountain. Yes. Yes, it's a gender. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you know, your mind inside of the gender mountain, whatever you pull out, you pull out. It's, it's just what it is. It's, shi- it's all shiny. It all works down there. All right. But, you know, I shouldn't have said my ex-wives. It's like, it's, you know, when you, uh, when you date, when, uh, you're involved with, uh, consort, uh, you know, of the, uh, of the fairy court, you know, they don't, ex- they, they kind of exist in the various four seasons of the, 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 the the gender fay court four season the four season of the gender I don't I'm not I'm not good with words I'm more of a kind of brewery uh distillery kind of guy that's okay uh so it's a fairy problem um, very fairy problem a very fairy problem uh yeah that's what happens uh you know uh, all right well, like I'll tell you what friend I, I will sit right here on this stool you tell me all about it and and I will uh I will help you recover these battles or uh, perhaps help you deal with this fae uh, so that you can keep making your wonderful drink because I must try it if it is anything like these chocolate seeds. Uh, I must try. So, yeah, I'm going to sit here and, and let's uh, carry on with this. Yes, uh, absolutely, of course. All right. <laughs> pull up a chair. It's going to hold on. Okay, hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on one second. Yeah, no, pull up. It's, uh, it's a long story. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got to mostly. Got to mostly. Prepare myself. He, he drops a bunch of seed, like a full fistful of seeds, and spits all of it out. Be like, "All right, here's the story. I was unfaithful. Uh, that's it. That's the that's the whole story. I'm sorry. It was a little too much of a <laughs> it was a little bit too much of a, of a build up for that. Do Do you feel bad about it? At least. Oh, I do. Uh, I sure do now. After uh, they take all, they take away all my barrels. So you don't feel bad because you got caught, or you you feel bad because you got caught, not because you actually feel bad in your heart about this. Who, who would have thought that I would have had consequences consequences to my actions? Come on. <clears throat> yes, uh, this is troubling to me, but I still feel like I want to help you because you're such a straight shooter. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, well, no, that's good. That's perhaps good. we can we can find a way to make uh, 
sure that they see you are remorseful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you've mentioned already that you have a show called Join the Party and um, you know various other things that have come from creating that podcast. But I'd love to hear about how you got the idea, you know, how kind of, kind of how it started and how it is going so far. Yeah, no, Join the Party came about, I think, so as I was saying before, the actual play genre really started kicking off as we know it in 2016, 2017. But I had been spending a lot of time listening to actual plays. I, w- I was working on this job. It was like creative adjacent, you know, where we were like, I was like, it's supposed to be like a podcast discovery program inside of a larger radio company and then we were like gonna figure it all out and i i was basically we had editors manually making playlists and one that i was doing was that i was listening to actual plays and i was listening to like the first episodes about i probably listened to like almost 90 percent if not more of all of the podcasts that existed in 2016 2017 actual play shows and just like so many of them we're just like microphone, middle of the table, let's start playing some game that we just kind of threw together. It wasn't intentional at all. And I think at the same time, this was when the Adventure Zone balance was going around. And it was like really the height of its popularity. People were so into this story. But even then, I was like, you know, there are things that other people can do. There was an entire episode about Tom Bodet, who I don't really still understand who it is. <laughs> I don't even understand who that guy is. I'm like, you know, there's a real way with intentionality. We can kind of do this and I'm excited to do it. That's where I met Brandon Grugel, who is one of our players and our editor and sound designer, who's very talented and taught me how to record and edit in the first place. And also that's where I got to work with Amanda McLaughlin, who is now my wife, but also like she had not played D and D before and wanted to get into it and being like a, be a cipher or a a representation of people who were getting into the game for the first time. They kind of starting out with intentionality um, 2017. And then I've just been like, we've just been like riding the wave of where this has taken us. And I feel like I really care about this creative form and what it means to Dungeons and Dragons, what it means to play, what it means to just like, tabletop RPGs at large, what it means to the larger culture, especially as so many things have changed in 2020 and people really started to get into playing TTRPGs, like teaching people how to play, doing it with open arms, telling interesting stories, treating it both as a game, as a story, and as like, I wouldn't call it like instructional or educational, but I think that there is a certain amount of like interaction or facilitation that happens because of the actual play that I feel like a lot of shows should feel responsible for. And I feel like that we hit that right from the beginning about like teaching people how to play in the way that I guess I want them to learn how to play, which is like make bold choices, be creative, work together and play the game as much as possible. Yeah, I like it. And we talked about it earlier, but the way that you started the show, that intentionality that you mentioned definitely sets it apart and I feel like makes it that much more accessible and more uh, approachable to all kinds of folks. So it's uh, it's very cool. Yeah. You've run games in various different settings since that first episode you recorded. Um, You've done high fantasy, you've done summer camp, you mentioned superhero earlier, and your latest campaign is kind of like 
one piece but with like bug and plant people and you know like you know it's a, a fun mashup of a few different things so yeah what's it like to create these worlds that are so different you know what are some of the common themes that you find while running a show across these very different places and then what are some of the things you've had to do completely differently for each of the arcs I love hearing you say it back to me. I'm like, man, we really have done a lot of weird stuff. I really like that. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> Variety have. Variety is the spice of life, you know? Truly. I, you know, it's kind of funny. Each one of these chapters, I felt like, corresponded with how I felt about actual play and, like, the game Dungeons & Dragons and, like, the tabletop RPG community at large. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, the first one, everyone did high fantasy in the beginning. Like, it was what you did. Do you play the game and you use the species that were in the player's manual and then blah, blah, blah. And then from there, you realize the the campaign two, which was a superhero story set in a city that grew out of like a tiny town in upstate New York, was really about trying to push what the game of Dungeons & Dragons could do. I think this was also around when Dimension 20 started kicking off. It's like, oh, you couldn't really do a lot. And let's really try to try to see what the bounds were. Playing Monster of the Week, I felt like, was when people started realizing you could play actual play with other game systems and seeing what types of stories you could tell not using Dungeons & Dragons. And I think like now is like, I'm really trying to bring everything together, what we've been trying to do. We're using a lot of third-party content with Dungeons & Dragons, like all of our classes from Valda's Spire of Secrets from Hand Press, which is absolutely incredible. I'm doing a lot of my own game designing now. I came up with like entire alternate species bonuses, so there are traditions, like the countries that each of these characters are from. And also, I felt like I was throwing myself back into a non-human slash non-real or non-like magical realism sort of vibe, like really building a world from scratch. I think that also came from uh, watching Andor, where I'm like, you know what? Mm. If we're going to make Star Wars exciting and energetic again, like maybe I can do it too. (laughs) In terms of the common themes, speaking of Andor, it's like, you know, I can put some of the feelings that I have about the current world right now i can put that in there like Mm. the main theme of all of our stories i think when you are put in a position of power whether through elected office or like you create something or you are truly powerful what do you do with it what do you see as your responsibility do you help the people around you do you make something for yourself do you enrich yourself what do you do with power i think really that one kicked off in when we were starting the game in late 2019. Campaign one was all about that as well. Like they weren't heroes. They were thrust into a situation that no one understood because they just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So it was always something I wanted to do. Something more recently, I I realized that I didn't know at the time, but like really having gray storytelling where things aren't always black and white or like a hero shows up and saves people um, was something that was always important to me. And I, I guess it was always important to me, but I guess I didn't realize how like, me being Jewish and caring about that stuff and realizing like my worldview was different from so much other stuff that I was seeing out there. And then I realized like, oh, well, I'm, I see the world differently. I was raised on different types of stories and have different values. I really need to do this. And that's very important to me to tell the types of stories about where people are conflicted and things don't necessarily end happily. And one person is not right and figures it out. It's a lot of that tension and it's a lot of like people who need defending and trying to figure out how they're going to defend themselves from a majority that 
subjugates them is always very important to me. And also all my NPCs are Jewish. I, I'm just allowed. I, I can just do it. <laughs> but no, it's, it's something that I get to do because it's like no one's going to do it for me. So I'm going to do it myself. And of course, you, I notice I, from my own study and from my own experience and also listening to a lot of actual play that like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is deeply rooted in like Christian storytelling and like the Americana Christian melding of church and state. On top yeah. of which, how when Gary Gygax was making Dungeons and Dragons, he like really ripped a lot of monsters from mythology, diff- all different places, mythologies, and not, I wouldn't say like anglicized them, but like made them work in his world, which was yeah. like had a very defined heaven and hell he's so into it he's so into it he has both devils and demons which are just- no that's always been like what why why did we do this it's that's always been a confusing thing to me like the point of the separation i know it's like chaos and law but like but like that's i don't know but like that 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 stuff as someone who like doesn't believe in hell i'm like what are you doing? You are so invested in this. And like, you know, the nine hells are from Dante and the fact that there are Mm -hmm. angels in the first place. And just like the way that he slapped like pantheons that he took from other cultures. And then like really, but still it's like a fantasy world with like some real Jesus vibes and and in various (laughs) ways, especially from the ways that clerics and especially paladins work when like an actual play goes to the nine hells. I'm like, man, I would never do that. I'd never do that in a million years. Um, and I realized that it's something that I really wanted to continue and keep doing. I get a lot of Crusader vibes from from those class flavors. Specifically, 100%, right? 100%. Yeah. And I think you can play them in a fun way that, that doesn't rely on those tropes. But um, funny, you're mentioning this. A few guests ago, I had a friend, um, Neil from Ireland on, and he had similar things to say about like how Celtic folklore has just been totally... yeah. I don't know, in the game is just totally different and, and doesn't really make any sense compared to what he grew up learning about, you know, the stories that he was told um, about his, his uh, specific culture's folklore. So it's fascinating. It's, it's like an American's view of European folklore. And then there's a bunch of weird other stuff he's done, too. Yeah. I mean, first yeah. of all, shout out to Neil. My favorite thing from Irish folklore is the... um is the salmon of knowledge. That's just like a really smart salmon that also like will give you knowledge and give you advice if you catch them, which I just really love the salmon knowledge. One of my favorites. I'll have to ask him about it. A very good inspiration in campaign three. We have a wish granting salmon with like very dragon ball vibes in one piece vibes. Like the one piece is the wish granting salmon. But yeah, I mean, it's very similar. I think to the, like the way that Christians took things and ideas from, and I, I'm loath to say, use the word pagan, but but I do mean it in the actual idea, like a pan or a panhellenic or a, a polytheistic religion, and then like yeah. slapped it into their own stuff. Like the idea of Jesus as related to like the sun is like I mean that's pulling from like sun gods and sun mythology from various places, and I mean like the various devils and demons and all that stuff. Like you know, of course, like Lilith as like the ex-wife before Eve, you know, and like how she was part of other cultures, and that's what they took him from and yeah i think about that when i think about like bahamut you know and or uh the various right. like, gods and and monsters in dungeons and dragons and like how like an actual name of a deity that was worshipped yeah exactly like yeah. very similar to the way that like you know jesus birthday was moved and how like easter is also the spring festival and thing you know just like stuff like that 
it's very similar to how Dungeons and Dragons was created and in, in, in that same way. So kind of related to the thing that you asked before, like, did you ever start with book stuff? I'm like, no, I didn't start with it. And I never felt like I wanted to. I never wanted the stuff that was in there because it just never first I realized it wasn't interesting and I didn't, it didn't speak to me. But then I'm like, oh, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with mm. this at all. And I mean, of course various people I'm sure has come on the show and have said various things about like, you know, the race and the race science deep within the fantasy world, the fantasy uh, world. I wrote an article about like the anti-Semitic issues baked within Dungeons and Dragons in terms of like having Tolkien's dwarves being exactly the same, which Tolkien said were Jews. (laughs) He like literally said dwarves were Jews. Like what is a lich, but not like keeping a soul inside of like a a little Jewish box, you know? So like, there's a lot of stuff in there that is hard for anyone to deal with, but it's like, if you don't know, you don't know. You know, the one that pisses me off the most is how Gary Gygax flattened the golem into just being like a pile of whatever. And now everyone just says golem when they mean like construction, which is literally a word they have, a word in the game, construct. And no one uses it because it's more fun to see the flesh golem and be like, ha ha ha, look, I have a blank golem. There it is. And it, like, I, it bothers me so much. It's interesting to see the like the worldview he had in the late '60s and early '70s as a Seventh Day Adventist. Yes, exactly. You know, coming up with this stuff, um, but but you're absolutely right. Like the more the more you delve into it, the more you realize I could have a lot more fun and be a lot more respectful doing my own thing. Yeah, so, and like, listen, yeah. this isn't like, oh my god. Go get him. He he wrote and the or and the other side is like, well, he was in the '70s. He was just doing whatever. It's like one guy came up with his fantasy world that was so close to um Lord <laughs> of the Rings that the Tolkien estate sued him. Like it was like he was literally just taking the fantasy the building blocks of fantasy. I think it's more that like as it related to the large publishing industry and a larger gaming industry of TSR and then Wizards of the Coast and as it's related to Hasbro, now they're just like pumping it out. And now with the D&D movie, it's IP. So it's like we have Hugh Grant say never winter as many times as possible, but then it's like that's the world where if you're an orc, you're dumb. Like that where and and so it's like we're not we're continuing to codify it, especially when people run it kind of like full bore from the book. Uh, and that's not their fault. They're tired. They're an adult. They they, they want to just read something out of the book and they don't have time to come up with all the things. Right. Then it's like, if you're going to make money off of this and make many of them, and now like whatever they're doing, pushing into IP and whatever's happening with one D&D, like you do have a responsibility to make this for all people. If you're saying, no, in this imagination game, don't use your imagination. Use the imagination we have provided for you. And that's when it becomes a problem. That makes sense. Yeah. I've always kind of erred on the side of, of homebrewing stuff because it feels more fun to just make it up and, and try to be creative instead of lean on, you know, what other people have done. Yeah. But you're right. Like, it's it's so easy to just pick up the book and read it and run that game for your friends, too. So, yeah. There's been a lot of dissonance with the, the like, the them revamping the game, too, right? Whether or not they're going to and the changes they're going to make and then they don't or or whatever else. But anyway, so you talked earlier about how starting this show led to the creation of multitude. Yes. So tell us what multitude is and what it's been like to work with so many different shows and help so many other folks kind of get into creating content like this. 
Absolutely. Well, my job, I am the head of creative at Multitude, which is a podcast collective studio and ad sales provider, which means that we are a collective of podcasts. We're a bunch of podcasts that work together. We have like a shared Slack and we tour together and we and we like talk about each other and we make fun stuff together. And also we are a studio, so we make shows for other people. We've made shows for Sony Music and for Netflix, and we currently make shows, uh, we help produce uh, like a show like Unladylike, or we work with Defector, which is a sports worker-owned website that used to be Deadspin, if you remember that happening a little while ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and also we sell ads for people. I think that people don't know that like what a network is, is really just like a top-down power where in exchange for selling your ads, a network like gets a piece of your IP or tells you what to do or tells you how to make money in a specific way. And we just don't believe in that. We think that that doesn't make any sense. So we we sell ads for you kind of just like straightforward. Like we sell your ads, mm. we get, we take a cut, that's it. Multitude enables 25 people to make a living from their podcasts, which are our employees at Multitude, the company, our hosts, and our ad sales clients. And we're always adding to that number. It's a lot of fun. And I can't believe that I get to do it full time. I love podcasts. I think podcasts are great. I think they're smart. I think they're fun. They kind of like are with you all the time. I said podcast listeners are super sticky and they love what they love. They love the podcast and they love the connections that they have with the hosts and it kind of fits into your adult life. Like I'm doing something and I'm also listening to something and I have some company. So I just really love making podcasts. Podcasting has really fit into the larger digital creation sphere in that like it's relatively new. So like the newer the thing, the more of a speed run it has through the content machine of like the <laughs> people investing a bunch of money into it and then everyone getting laid off and the boom and the bust and everything. Similar to actual play at large, but it's just happened so, so quickly as opposed to like YouTube and streaming and blogging. I, I mean, we love it. We love making shows for other people. I love that this is my job. Like I get to like help people make shows. I get to make shows that will like hopefully be sticky and people can fall in love with. All multitude shows are like conversational podcasts where passionate people create shows that you can count on. We come out when we say they're going to come out so that because it, we become part of your life. And then we like, as we said, we accept you with open arms and podcasts become beacons for people of like-minded people to assemble around. It's our responsibility to like put the show out so that you can congregate around it and find people who love the similar things and in a similar way that you do. We are a digital product. You could be anywhere and have a good microphone and put the time in and be intentional and edit and make your audio sound good. And like, then you can just put it out. So I urge people to do the thing that they want to do in the place they want to do it. You need the least number of people listening to your show to do this full time than ever in the way that like Patreon works. Listeners understand that they have to pay money to the people they like, which is something that happened after 2020, which I'm internally grateful for. Their listeners are so smart. They know you, you all know what to do. And it's never been easier, like take control and run a business, a creative business for yourself. Yeah. So it's never been easier. I just don't want anyone and i've seen this in podcasting and i've seen this in the actual play space at large and of course like this happened to youtube and this happened to bloggers but like we don't have to look to traditional media to do it we can do it ourselves and you know multitude is doing it we have a studio in brooklyn that we've been uh we've had since 2019 we've been doing this since 2017 we're, we're going strong and i think that it's it you can do it 
Um, and I urge people to like give it a shot and do make the thing that makes them unique because people will will find them and congregate around it. So what is the future then uh, of Join the Party? Um, I know you're in the middle of your third kind of full story arc here. Yeah. Do you have a plan for, you know, a fourth one or, you know, any, any other kind of ideas or, or plans that you can share with us? I mean, I want to keep doing it for as long as people want to listen for sure. I assume there's going to be a fourth campaign. I just don't even know. Like, I feel like we put so much energy into this kernel one, the world of Vertistello and doing this like pirate plant bug people thing and like finding the wish granting salmon and all this stuff. It's been so much fun to do. And like, you know, we're like 25 episodes in and I'm like, I have, we have a lot more to go. We are telling a story. I'm excited to tell like a pirate epic. Um, I was excited to do a mini campaign for monster of the week, but like that felt like 20 episodes, but now it's like, let's really live in this place. I just, yeah, I don't know. But I think that pushing, I think that's going to come down to like what happens to actual play in tabletop RPGs. I mean, Again, I, I am loath to like keep referring to D and D like this, but like what happens to D and D is going to really change a lot of stuff. Like, how much different is one D and D going to be to fifth edition? What are people going to make games in after this? I don't know. What if one D and D is everything people are worried about? Like, what if it turns into like real like Overwatch two? You know, it might. It's it, we were worried about, it, especially with the OGL happening at the beginning of this year. So there's still a lot of questions about if the because fifth edition became the great unifier, and I wonder if they end up doing so sixth edition or one D and D whatever they're calling it. Well, I wonder if it's going to fracture. But also, many more people like other games, so I think that it's less of a scary proposition to play a different game. It's just like D and D seems to be the most flexible thing because the only thing that really unifies it is like action and fighting like you're telling an action story but can really be so many different action stories in other tabletop rpgs it really is form following function which is why i love it but it's like if you're going to play masks you have to tell a story about teenage superheroes you cannot mm-hmm. tell anything else if you're going to play monster of the week you do need to make this feel like it is a spooky supernatural procedural and I realize that those are both powered by the Apocalypse games, and I, right. I'm not getting the full breadth of everything. But, like, you know, games are good because they tell specific stories, and the um, domination of Dungeons & Dragons for how flexible it is, especially 5th edition, I think is what kind of built the actual play genre in the first place. And then we'll see if, like, Critical Role's games are going to be good, or, like, if people end up making those, like, D20 systems that they said they were making when the OGL was threatened. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that uh, it doesn't keep me up. But like, whenever I think about it, it's always like, what, you know, like, there's a lot of change that's coming, but I don't know what kind of change it's going to be. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. If uh, you're listening to this way in the future, and it already has played out, then then I guess you, you know more than we do. Yeah. All right. Uh, I would love to hear, to wrap things up here, Eric, your words of wisdom and encouragement to, number one, folks who are trying to be creative out there and, and maybe are wanting to make something or are currently making something. And then uh, your advice for the DMs and GMs out there as well. Absolutely. If you are someone working in the creative space, if you are a digital creator, or it doesn't have to be digital, if you're working on art, remember that the thing that people like, The reason why they're giving you money in exchange for art 
is you, your unique take on whatever genre you're a part of. When platforms or companies or whatever come to you and offer you something and say they're like the panacea or they want your thing or they want to put you on the platform in exchange for something, like they think that they are special. And they're just by existing, they are the special thing. By putting you on their platform, they are special. No, you are the one who's special and you should value your worth, especially when you are dealing with the exchange of your art for money. Remember, you're the most valuable thing. And the worst thing that a platform can do is underestimate it because then you're going to have a problem. YouTube, Twitch, Wizard of the Coast, like you're going to have a problem. So you're special and you got it. For the DMs out there, for the DMs and the GMs out there, the first thing I would say is it's not that hard. It's not. I know that like you really, really love the way that the people you watch and listen to in actual plays do, but like you can do a good job if you just like think about it for an hour and then like write some stuff down. I promise, I promise your friends are gonna have a good time. Just try it. Just do it. My second piece of advice is you should think about running a game like playing a card game where you have a hand, right? Whether you're playing poker or Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! where you have a hand of cards. And you can play those cards in any order. Those are your notes. But no one else knows what cards you have until you play them. So if you need to move something around or you got to do something in some some order or you got to put an NPC who was in the beginning and put them at the end, or if they die, if one of the NPCs dies, it doesn't make any sense. Well, throw the card away. They don't know. They don't need to know what's in your hand until you play them. I think that's the thing that we've learned from the theater kids out there, or if you're a summer camp counselor or a babysitter, or you have kids, or any time that you entertain for someone else, you want to keep the energy up and then make sure everyone's having fun and never let them see you sweat. Not because they're going to own you or because you you can't let them, they're scary wolves. It's because you got to make sure everyone knows they're just here to have fun. It's not that big of a deal. You got it. All right. I'd love to know where folks can find you, can find your work, can um, find stuff that you've written, stuff that you've you know designed and created, all that good stuff. You can find me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. That is my name. If I'm a Lucha Libre wrestler, I'm going to be there until they turn the lights off. No idiot. No weird guy is going to push me off of the thing that I love. I'm staying to Twitter till the end. Um, I have a TikTok as well that I've been having fun just posting stuff on. Eric the Silver, um, where you can hear stuff because i'm the best damn in podcasting um and if you want to find my work just go to uh, listen and join the party join the party because wherever actual plays are found we're currently as you said doing a world of plant and bug people and pirates and it is a whole lot of fun and then you can find my stuff yeah i i, we, I sell the games that i write most of the time then join the party merch store but i also have an itch i think i'm eric silver.itch.io where i have the game clear eyes full hearts that i made with misha stanton so it's a gmless game if you want to play like a friday night lights or a sports anime drama story um it's a lot of fun gmless games are the best man they're the absolute best all right well eric so fun to chat with you at a great time. Love your perspectives. And I think the folks out there are going to really enjoy it too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, nothing makes me happier than coming on this stuff. Like, especially like trying to like build up actual play and like have like some crit 
involved and like to talk about this stuff is really, you know, really, really, really important. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. And now a sneak peek into next week's guests, Dane and Benjamin from Dispel Magic. My name is Dane Rick, and I am here to explore the places that people dare not go in their own psyches about how bad they are at running games. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, <laughs> maybe Benjamin should be the one who's delving into psyches <laughs> if, if we're talking about expertise here. <laughs> oh, geez. No, you wouldn't want to do that. You do that all day, right? That's, that would That's be true. Yeah, and I also don't want to touch Dane's psyche with a 10-foot pole, so it's... <laughs> fun it's fun in here y'all to hear more about how the dispel magic show was started about how dane and benjamin got into running games and their philosophies behind game design and podcasting listen next week again a reminder i'll be taking a break between american thanksgiving and new year so this is the second to last episode before that break so part two of season four will be coming at you early january again thank you so much for understanding it's really to take time to be with my family and to make sure that i'm focused on what matters most and then also making sure that i will have enough time to focus and make sure that the next episodes are really up to the how not to dm standard Again, I can't express enough how much I appreciate you listening, and I hope that you have a very happy holiday season. If you enjoyed the show and want to support me, there are tons of easy ways, like tipping me a few dollars on Kofi or PayPal, or by buying things for your own games from my affiliate links. Again, those are located in my link tree. I've got links for dice, minis, tabletop gaming accessories, published content, and even geeky apparel. Last of all, I'm proud to support Diversity Saves, a tabletop role-playing game charity which donates money to diverse up-and-coming creators working on their very first projects. It's a great cause, and I'm really excited to see what awesome stuff people will create. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos theme is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music is by my friend Arcane Anthems. And until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.